marketing friends, Misty here. Thanks so much for checking out this very special season of Marketing Sweats. This year marks Samantha's 40th year in business. So to celebrate, we're inviting Samantalites on the podcast to share stories about a project they've worked on that made them proud. We're calling it Point of Pride. In this episode, I sit down with Van Burnett. Van is earning his creative director wings and has been involved in a number of award-winning campaigns. He's a great asset to our team and joined me to talk a little bit about a project that may not have been the most exciting he's ever done, but definitely has deep roots and tells a true value story. Give it a listen and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, I am here today with Van Burnett, and I say this on every point of pride, but I'm going to say it again. He's one of my favorite Samanalites. He is one of our associate creative directors, and he has had such an awesome winding journey starting in client service, taking on a bunch of different roles, and now helping guide and direct our creative department. So welcome, Van. Thank you. Thank you, Misty. Talk to me a little bit about coming to Samantle. Were you working somewhere before? Like you applied for what, like an account manager role? Yeah, so it's an interesting story, actually. My dad, who I think a lot of people know this at Samantle, but he he was a director of marketing at the Civic Center. And I always wanted to get into marketing and advertising in college. And he used to send me emails when I was off screwing around in college. <laughs> and he would be like, hey, here's this video from Samantle. You got to no apply. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, and I knew Susie Ketterer from growing sure. up and everything. So Samantle to me was always kind of the gold star of like, if I'm going to work in Peoria, I got to work at Samantle. That's so cool. So I applied multiple times, got rejected multiple times. Then I got out of grad school and just basically took a local industrial sales and marketing position for a year and a half. Sure. And at the time, it's actually a funny story. Our Samantleite Laura Joseph's now husband, Tom, was very close with Susie Ketterer. And Tom reached out and said, Hey, Susie and I were talking about how Samantle could really use a project planner, and we thought you'd be great oh, for it. Fine. So I applied, I got the position, and then it's been, as you know, kind of a roller Quite coaster through departments yes. to, to land where I'm at today. Well, we're going to talk about that for sure. But talk about what you went to school for, because you have some sort of interesting degree that we're not even leveraging. <laughs> well, I hope, you know, that I've certainly changed a lot at Samantle and my, my MBA is in change management. Interesting. So I went to undergrad at SIU Edwardsville near St. Louis and was a kind of a general business major, but okay. I loved any of the advertising classes and I've been doing kind of run and gun videos yeah. since I was in first grade with my friends in our basement and everything. Absolutely. So then once grad school came, it was much more change management and focused on organizational growth and finding competitive advantages and different things like this. And there was also a lot of global group projects. So okay. leaving that very collaborative group setting and going to a very small company. It was actually called Peoria Pump, and mm, they were. I remember this. They yeah, were growing like crazy. Yeah, so it's industrial well and geothermal energy, but only about nine employees, and they served five or six states. So it was a cool opportunity to make a lot of influence and do all their communications and trade shows. But it was also the definition of a one-man yeah, band. So right. getting back to Samantha and feeling that pace and teamwork was That's awesome. Yes, Good very much needed. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting you came into the organization as a project planner, and I know you moved into client service. You were an account manager for a while. Is that right? Yes, very okay. quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of times where opportunities present themselves at Samantha, and I was kind of fortunate early on to get thrust into you the got, fire. You got a jump, right?
I feel like you and your family are even known as like just being like creatively wired, but I think it's awesome now that I know you're in a creative lane now, but it's awesome that you didn't come in that lane. I talked to you about that a lot about the way you learn an agency as an account person and kind of the one person who has ultimate accountability to client success. So what do you remember about that time in your career and what lessons have carried forward? Uh, it's uh, it's fun looking back and thinking about it. Just the size of Samantha was smaller, and sure. I, I feel really fortunate, honestly, that the the types of projects I was working on felt very intense mm-hmm. and challenging. Mm-hmm. And then the team that was around me, I always talk about. I had Pam and Jake and Annette, and I felt like you know the parents were fighting when they would <laughs> argue in a room. But I got to kind of hear all of their perspectives, and it felt very integrated. So. Pretty early in the process, I was already feeling like I had great exposure to different types of media sure. assets and creative assets. And I'm sure I annoyed Jake <laughs> and Pam and Annette all at one time. But I remember yeah, you talking was, to me about that. Sitting at the center of that, you learn a lot. It was. And I had to get checked a couple times okay. because of my creative passion. I would really get excited with either script writing when I wasn't supposed to Uh or an email that was conveying an idea to the client. I would have five paragraphs of kind of sell copy. And Jake was like, hey, it's great, man. But that's like not what you're doing. (laughs) So it it was yeah, a lot of fun, but a lot of room to grow. So was it that kind of stuff that you were doing that caught Maggie's eye? So for those listeners who don't know, Maggie was our executive creative director and owner at the time. And in our ownership meetings back then, she would come and say to Tim, one of our my business partner now, I'm going to steal Van from client service and make him a copywriter. And this went on for a better part of a year until then Misty jumped on the bus and said, yes, let's do this. So how did that happen? So it's a funny story. I think what actually sparked that with Maggie is I had done kind of a freelance uh, like rap parody song for a bleeding disorder group in Peoria. And it was all about this like ITP blood disorder thing. And it was like, ITP, let me explain (laughs) it. And it like got into all these lyric bars and Maggie had heard it and was like, what is this? And someone was like, yeah, Van did that. And she pulled me into her office and she's like, what is going on, mister? I need you over here. And then I was super excited by it. And as people get busy in Samantha, like six months turned into 12 months. And eventually I was like, hey, whatever happened with that? And they're like, you tell us, like, what happened with it? <laughs> and yeah, Jake had an honest convo with me. And he's like, what's going on? Do you do you need me to like, like make this happen? Or are you making it happen? Right. And I was like, I, I don't know, man. And <laughs> he, know. he was like, okay, well, this is it. <laughs> Good. And, and, and so he that, helped. Yes. And that was tough there. too, because at that time, I felt like I had really grown into two or three years of account planning and you sure. start feeling like you're a leader in that space, but you're like, yeah, this is really kind of passion calling. Oh my gosh. And you, in some ways it probably felt like a little bit of a step backwards because copywriting is more like head down space, right? You're not sort of sitting at the center of all those tough conversations all the time. Yeah. It was a big change, way less meetings, which was welcomed yeah. at the time. Um, and I loved having control and you're kind of in charge of your own destiny with the word doc and everything, as opposed to account management where you're really quarterbacking, but you have to get comfortable with letting stuff go and come back to you. And I really loved it for a while, but then as my growth pattern has, has gone, the gap that I didn't have with copywriting was being able to grab the marker for the whiteboard and Mm. lead kind of a client workshop and say, how could we diagram out the user flow? So then I got into strategy for, I think it was in a year and a half, and then yeah. it was kind of this creative strategy space <laughs> and ultimately led to uh, creative direction. 
Yeah. Well, as soon as you started writing, we saw that your brain went to so many spaces, right? You were basically building strategy decks in all com and content and channel. So you're definitely unique in your capacity to bridge lots of skills. But talk about moving into the creative director role just a little bit before we talk about this project. I'm curious, because you do come from like a copywriting background, and that was Maggie's background, but you don't have the design background, right? Mm -hmm. How you've been able to sort of bridge the entire company in some ways to help with concepting and direction, and you're you're building a team now. So talk about that. Yeah, I think it's important to be self-aware and be vulnerable when you do have unique skill sets like that. So typically, I, I like to approach stuff with that disclaimer that I'm I am not a designer. I certainly sure. couldn't do anything in InDesign or, or Photoshop, but typically it's it's does something feel right? You put yourself in the shoes of an end user, and when you're looking at something, try to give it that critical eye of how could this be improved? And a lot of that for my direction is more a collaborative process of, you know, did you think about this? Or like, I noticed this color pop, what, what are you right, thinking right. with that? And, you know, a lot of times that can at least raise the questions and not necessarily direct or instruct the answer. Sure. But in terms of the copy side, I mean, I really do feel like it's a 50-50 balance. And a lot of times it's chicken or the egg on should copy guide yeah. visuals or should visuals invite copy. But overall, it's been very fulfilling. It's been great working with both copywriters and art directors alike. And concepting is also my it's jam. Favorite so, thing. Yeah, yeah, I love I love the, the connections and just yeah. kind of dreaming from scratch. Absolutely. And I think now we're at a size and scale of an organization where I can clearly see that you're pairing your art directors with your copywriters and doing spending a lot of time on the concepting space, which is exciting. I would be remiss, though, not to ask you about Neckbone and some of the work that you do more <laughs> in the video space, because I imagine that storytelling piece has to drive even how you look at creative for a campaign. Yeah, definitely. So I think it was maybe 2014 or 2015, myself, my brother, who were extremely close, he's a couple years older, and we grew up doing all these video creative projects and usually a very low scale of production quality, certainly compared to Samantha's standards. Our good friend that Ty went to school with, Blake Worth, who's now a copywriter at Samantle, we were all close and hanging out and we did, I think it was one spoof video where we kind of made fun of the ESPN 30 for 30 series that are always very inspiring stories about an amputated athlete winning like a gold medal or something. Ours was, we like to play racquetball at Landmark. (laughs) And we were very self-aware that this is in, you know, maybe a older demographic sport. And here we are like 23 years old wearing our Wilson headbands and getting (laughs) the rackets out. And we thought it was hilarious. So we kind of concepted and said, what if we pretended that there was like a comeback story for a happy Gilmore of racquetball who like sure. lit the sport on fire? And we did like a two minute shot on an iPhone trailer and that was it for us. We thought like, we just did that. It's it fun. fun. It was yeah. over a weekend. Yeah. And we just started getting all these messages from people and they were like, when does this come out? How can I buy oh it? Gosh. And all this stuff. And we looked at each other and we were like, I think we have, we to, have like to do make this. this. Oh my gosh. So we made fully shot on an iPhone, an an hour-long parody documentary, and it was so much fun doing it. And I, we kind of scripted it and outlined it, and I edited it in full, and then we ended up showing it a couple times at Landmark Theaters and had more or less like sellout crowds, which was crazy. And that started the whole firestorm. And after that, we did a couple local commercial spots, and we ended up doing a longer 
feature film once we bought like black magic cameras so wow. we we got to a jv level of production <laughs> quality before you know the band broke right. up but that that was all happening kind of in between copywriting and uh, that's a lot of creative work direction. yeah i know you were going home at night editing trying to put those things together and yeah two different lives fantastic. at that time for sure all right well we better switch gears i do want to dig into your point of pride first of all thank you for submitting it i had never like i said told you heard this full story the take a closer look campaign it's not really a campaign it ended up being a whole that was an obstacle we had to tell people this is not a campaign this is more of a a position messaging project yeah. we probably referred to it in five different names but the idea for it was to give basically the cat parts and component groups a playbook essentially for evergreen content or content that could last for five or ten years not five or ten months and this was it, it all started from them asking us how can we bring both of our marketing efforts together? Because we're very similar and sure. filters are better when you use our fluids and vice versa. Right. So they, credit to them, initially came to us with the ask, but we had no idea how big it ultimately would, would yeah. get. You say you've worked on a lot of really cool stuff at Smantle, and I know you have a lot of big, flashy campaigns, but... Was this partially your point of pride because of the time of your career it was when you were just starting out in that copywriting role and almost getting your feet under you in terms of your own processes and ways of building methodology for doing this kind of work? Yeah, I think there's definitely part of that, that it felt like the first time I really got a foothold. And I think it was cool as well because Jake Bile and I worked together on it initially. And I think Jake has that similar stigma, if you will, that it's it's always fun, it's always campaign, it's always very indirect. And on this one, we really buckled down and said, like, let's build something that could carry sure. like years and years of work. So I thought it was just a really unique ask. And I think the other thing that is really rewarding is seeing it go through all of the steps that Samantha does. So we had our learn process. We had our ideate and create process. We've put the experience out there and we've optimized it and kind of spread it across the walls at Caterpillar. So kind of being at the forefront of all of that and remembering all of the big moments where the light bulbs came on and the clients got on board and then seeing it really take life to now we meet with the dealer and they're like, Hey, we like that. Take a closer look <laughs> stuff. And it's like, right. Man, to think about where yeah. that started. It, Absolutely. It's really cool to see it spread. Well, you mentioned there, we start with our learn process. One of the things I admire about you, Van, is that you understood the semantic way of how we get stuff done and you've applied it in every role that you've had. And I think people that can understand our workflow through those different phases can really apply that blueprint to sort of any service line you want to stand up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of an innate process to working as you want to be informed about what it is you're working on. And then, of course, the fun part or the thrilling part is actually thinking up what the solution can be. And then it's the challenge of bringing it to life. But right. almost every project we do, even if it takes three weeks, goes through those process. Yes. This one was just like a two-year process, sure. it felt like. Talk about the concepting phase to get to take a closer look as the sort of, it's not really a position, but it is in the sense that you talk about people just keep coming back and feeling like we really haven't had a phrase that so succinctly describes what we need people to understand, especially in the fluids and filter space. Gina was on here yesterday talking about just what a challenging product that is to sell, who's somebody who's focused on their prime product. Mm -hmm. And that phrase really does a good job of making you want to dig in. Thank you. Yeah. It started with looking at 
what the two had in common between filters and fluids. And what we found was that they both had a value story that could not be, I guess, that others couldn't compete with. It was offering value that was kind of beyond the surface. So customers would think of CAT and and think of equipment, but they're not necessarily thinking that their filters are as unique as their excavators are. And that was kind of a, a core part of Take a Closer Look was the idea that there's more than meets the eye to this and that not all filters are filters, not all fluids are fluids, that the design, the proof points that they had there, all of those things align. And some of the ones that lost out were like, you get the difference. And Mm. it was like, you get the difference because you understand the difference, but you also, you get it for your bottom line and you get it for your work. But ultimately we loved that Take a Closer Look had kind of this call to action that was really grabbing customers to say, take a closer look at how you buy filters, take a closer look at the design, take a closer look at the lab tests. And it had a lot of legs in that space. And then really it's almost become a rallying cry for products that are overlooked at Caterpillar, which is what we're doing now with drivetrain and linkage pins. And, you know, the list goes on and on with undercarriage and ground engaging tools. So to have those all kind of marching to the same beat and those messaging pillars are a huge part of it as well. So whether we're designing a brochure or coming up with chapters for an animation video, we have these common pillars of the difference of the product, the proof that actually impacts customers, the design that makes it unique versus competitors, and then the decision to work with your dealer or whatever that call to action is. One of the things I admire about your work style is how quickly you pick up on the semantic way of doing things. For example, I mentioned the phases of our work, but you also know how to pitch concepts through this lens of here's what it is, here's why it works, and then build that creative rationale. So I want you to talk a little bit about the sales process of that. And I, I know you love that space. You're really good at that space. But what does it look like to get a client to sort of like be brave enough to say, yeah, let's go all in on that? It's a good question. I think for us, we usually start with the copy that tells where our brain space was or where the customer is. So we usually kind of start out for take a closer look at something like customers are in a space that all filters are created equal. But in reality, we've known for 40 years that we do this, but it's almost like a print ad, but it's never going to see the light of day. It's really just for us to paint the paint with Yeah. Okay. So then guiding from that, it's almost like the table is set. So now here are three options that we can deliver you the solution. And each of them kind of works uniquely. And we'll kind of talk about the differences from one approach to another. This one's much more aggressive. It's telling customers to take a closer look. This one is outcome-based. It's more saying you get the difference and you know it's aligning with customers and bringing them on our side of the curtain and everything. So they all have unique aspects to them, but then they also have a shared approach that we want to find the common denominator between filters and fluids. So we usually pitch through that. And as long as you're really paying attention to what the the client or the customer wants to talk about, and you're infusing that into the concepts, it really is a win-win. So I don't very often feel scared or nervous that something is going to completely miss the mark. I think it's more a curiosity of, what the client will gravitate toward. And if we missed anything, of course, we try to let our clients know that this is a collaborative process. Hopefully we're not way off and only giving you really funny concepts when you wanted nothing to do with humor. But the other part of it is 
let's figure out where you want to go and then we can work with you to talk about the value messages we might have missed or if you want to make this filters, fluids, and undercarriage, we can put that in as well. I love that. How do you, well, first of all, I love that you don't even think about it as a sale, right? It's a curiosity and it's a conversation. I think that works really well to your advantage. But I know a lot of people want to learn from people like you and Jake how to do that well. But then you've also mentioned some of the brass tacks things, like even how to build a message matrix, right? Or how to put Mm. these stories together. How have you learned how to train your team on all of those very different skill sets and understand the Caterpillar subject matter, the tone? I mean, I would imagine just the curriculum of understanding what you know now as a writer is probably like a hard thing to just boil down and pass on to someone else. If I knew that answer in full, <laughs> You're doing my, it my great. life would be easier. No, and we've, we have great people who on their own and to their own merit, they have a great ability to kind of grasp subject matter. Sure. I mean, I think having having reference material and having a clear direction, I mean, even the best conceptor in the world, if they don't have the sell points or they don't have the client goals, it's going to feel like they're kind of reaching in the dark for something that works. But I do think there are some there are some templates, there are some best practices. I like to say it's really a win-win-win from the employee. If they feel passionate about the, what they're doing, if it's hitting on the client's objectives and sure. goals, and if it's something that will create a lot of work at Symantle, to yeah. me, that's, that's every, everyone yeah. wins. And it's whether you want to call it checkmate from more of a competitive right. standpoint or just really doing work that we're all proud and happy to do. And that's really been one of the most rewarding things is when you can have a lofty concept or something that seems brave and bold, when you have the client buy-in and then you get to the other side of that and you meet up with them in two years and they're like, oh, I looked back and it was so cool that we did that. And yeah. we brought this campaign forward for a phase two. And it's it's really just helping us all get there and believe in it together and create it. Absolutely. You and I still get a chance to work together on a few projects. I love it when I get to the point in the project with you where you're like, but what are the proof points? What can I actually say? And that's something that I've had to learn about copywriters in general. And I imagine was very specific to this project of sometimes there's just not a lot behind it. So how do you work through that challenge? Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) An SME interview is a simple, simple question. I mean, well, you mentioned reference material, you know, I mean, just like. I just, it's been interesting to watch a copywriter's brain go like, okay, it's fun to talk about all this in theory and business objectives. But when I sit down with a blank piece of paper, I have to know the brass tacks of what I can put in this brochure, right? For sure. And sometimes clients are very transparent about what's the difference between this and the competitors. And they're like, well, it's slim, but we have this (laughs) aspect or that aspect versus an opportunity like filters and fluids. We had hard data that said, a 45% longer component life. And when you know that you have that in your arsenal, it makes you way more confident with your voice and the tone and the concepts you can put together for that, where it's like almost twice as fast and and things like that. So I think really it's the job of the copywriter to make something out of nothing if there's not a ton of that there, but life is so much easier when you have strong sell points like that. Well, round out the story for us. In your point of pride, you talk about that really, it seems like what was most prideful for you in this was the fact of how far reaching it extended across product groups. And we talk a lot about some analysts sitting at the middle of the intersection of all these sort of connected accounts that 
often don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Was that really kind of why this was your point of pride? It's just the impact? Yeah, I think so. I think part of the pride is that it was a little bit different from the other things that I stay busy with. I think part of it was just that it created an organized vehicle for content. So I've seen animations fit into the take a closer look framework. I've seen brochures and interviews, but then really once filters and fluids had been out there for six months or so, I think undercarriage was next. And then it was within a span of 18 months was another six parts groups. And we set up the same type of visuals, the animation, and really the web presence is now what I look back at. I go out there and it's all one connected experience and it's all take a closer look. The brochures kind of have the same design look and feel and the theme. So it's just an evergreen, if you want to call it a campaign, it's a five-year campaign that's sure. hit nine product groups and yeah. is going to continue to live on, which is what's really yeah. just incredible about it. And when different product groups came to us and said, hey, we want our take a closer look, it made us realize this is working. Yeah, it's people, awesome. It's kind of spreading yeah. through Caterpillar and they're hearing about it. So all of those things really in culmination make it something that I'm extremely right. proud of. Work Even on. so much that you've had to consult with Cat Brand, right, at the enterprise level on this. So talk about that relationship a little bit. Yeah, they, I mean, it was pretty early on where they, they saw it near the end of the video and they're like, you know, that needs to be built for it or let's do the work sure. and we can't have it like that. And now over time, they've they've referenced it and they're like, we got to be careful when something gets too right. universal that, that it doesn't compete with that. But really, we've been mindful of this not feeling too much like a campaign slogan. There are some brochures where it's even just felt and it's not even verbatim said, take a closer look. It's just like, you know, when you look closer at drivetrain, you see things like this. But the main point of it was to organize and align content. And that is something that can't be argued as a huge benefit to Caterpillar. And anyone who looks at beyond the, the point of buying a machine Anything parts, components related is going to feel the same, whether you're looking at a mining truck or a small construction skid steer. That's awesome. Well, I've seen you use that framework on other projects now, too. So that's part of my pride with this is you've built sort of your own methodology to apply to other clients. But I want to pivot a little bit. Awesome point of pride story. Thank you for sharing. But I want to talk about a little bit about your current role as creative director. I wrote down, you get to do quite a bit of travel, which is kind of fun. You just got back from Brazil on a photo shoot, right? Video shoot? Yes. 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 You've worked trade shows. You've been stuck in Vegas for weeks at a time doing <laughs> yes, and the, large scale productions. And the take a closer look shoot. We were in Prague and Germany oh, cool. and Kansas City, like yeah. from America to Europe on that one as That's well. Awesome. So testimonials are such a huge thing. I don't think people really understand because they kind of sound boring. It's like a customer testimonial. Right. But <laughs> we use these so much. And I think when we can stop talking about ourselves and we let customers talk and sell the value for us. It's really powerful. And we've even seen in media for a typical benchmark for like a click-through rate, anything above like 1.5%, you're like, oh, that's a pretty good click-through rate. Right. We've had testimonial videos out there that have had over a 5% click-through rate wow. for multiple years. Yeah. And usually the shelf life on creative is six months, 12 months. Sure. So when we see that they're that impactful, yeah. it makes it easier to sell. It's a lot of fun to get out there and connect with the customers and kind of hear their side of the story and let them know what we're looking to talk about and find that middle ground. But yeah, that's been most of the travel 
Most some, of the travel. Yeah, some studio shoots as well. Sure. Well, people trust people, not brands. So I think it's awesome that you keep putting the customer out front. How cool is it, though, that you work for an agency out of Peoria, Illinois, and you get to travel around the world with a brand like Caterpillar? Yeah, it's, it's full circle to uh, my MBA projects when I was uh, trying to sell toothpaste in Brazil <laughs> on a computer screen. And now That's I'm funny. in Brazil yeah. meeting with uh, mining customers. That's but awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. And it makes you realize that really anything is possible. And I yeah. love that about this place that if you dream it and think it up and sell it, you can always happen. have the confidence that it's going to get done. Absolutely. There are people that can help you accomplish yeah. whatever. How cool is it, though, too, from your neckbone days and the iPhone shoots to now be working on these large-scale productions and really combining your copywriting, storytelling, visualization skill, and collaborating with that team? Yeah, it's it's the most rewarding thing for sure. I think Take a Closer Look was kind of a different shaped one that I wanted to, to share, but going from something that's entertaining but also informative and sells the benefits and to bring that into a world, whether it's you know, we had a mini excavator weightlifting and actually <laughs> wheeled this thing into yeah. a small gymnasium and had to move padded tracks so that it wouldn't destroy the floor. And there it is, deadlifting. That's so funny. You know, a, 800 pounds of weights yeah. as we're shooting like a fake documentary. Like just horsing around like that it, it is so rewarding because I feel like you get to blend your your personality and your touch into your work, but without sacrificing the voice of the brand or the clients that you work for right. and when you can do that and it still effectively communicates the business message it feels like it's almost unfair it's like <laughs> we joke with tim, tim sometimes where it's like wait we get paid for this yeah. like, this is fun i'm That's jumping awesome. out of bed for this yeah. yeah well i tease van a lot just in terms of like you know he does do a lot of funny campaigns. But you know what? Here's the deal. That speaks to the audience, right? It feels like you've really started to understand that heavy industry customer and you have to catch their attention emotionally before you get them to pay attention to any logical argument. Yeah. I think a huge part of that is how social media has grown as kind of an advertising platform. And I remember early on in like 2016, we saw decent like click-through rates and impression rates for social, but it wasn't until we did like a business study for a commercial giveaway and it was actually a lead gen campaign and all of our Facebook metrics had higher lead conversions than any other media channel. And mm -hmm. we were like, whoa, so social is tied to right. conversion for a business sale. And of course, now we think of it and we're like, yeah, duh, duh. it's Facebook <laughs> yeah. and it's social. But that platform and meeting people in that brain space of you have four seconds to get my attention. It better be entertaining and informative. Right. And then maybe I'll give you the click. Yeah. That is almost inviting, whether it's humor or mm -hmm. drama, it has to grab you and hold you. Right. And I think that's what has really kind of conveniently married up with my sense of humor and that's my awesome. yeah. the, you know, desire to not take things too seriously. That's awesome. Well, I want to embarrass you a little bit. The people that talk about Van, clients and internal employees included, say he's one of the most creative people who's ever walked through the doors at Symantle. And that is very true. Um, it's why you're helping lead our department forward. And I, I want to ask, what's the vision for the creative department? I know that's a huge question, but as we evolve into the channel space, we do marketing automation, and now you guys have CX and UX and IA and so much to worry about. Like, mm -hmm. What conversations are you guys having about keeping creative at the forefront while also sort of managing to all these different disciplines? Yeah, it's a great question because I think when you think of CX and you think of creative, 
it's at least in my brain, the natural thing is it's like a left hand and the right hand or like the heart and the brain and all this stuff. But even the CX initiatives, and they would usually say this, like there needs to be a, a place for creative there. So whether it's copy that's being organized in a way that it gets deployed and automated, that's still often creative copy. Sure. And then on the, the campaign side, I think it's just continuing to to improve what we do and to kind of perpetuate it or find a way to do it efficiently. I think you and a lot of people listening might remember that we used to do kind of these disruptive campaigns maybe once out of every 12, 18 months. And now I'm it's, looking around the agency and there's like four or five happening at once and they're getting great results and they're like wildly creative ideas. And for me personally, it's really inspiring to see that it's not just, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but it's not just me working sure. on them. It's sure. actually people who I've just had an initial conversation with. And then I see yeah. a video three months down the line. I'm like, that is awesome. Yeah. Like, you guys just ran with that. Like, totally. that's great. So I think as we grow at Symantle and as our clients continue to grow, I'm excited about as much how we grow out as opposed to process improvement. So I would love to just continue to work with the CX teams mm -hmm. and, and figure out how creative lands yeah. in there. And then also try to ultimately find a way to make these creative disruptive awareness campaigns work to hook people. And then kind yeah. of the seamless journey once people are in the door. What's interesting is in 2018, we came out and we branded ourselves as a CX agency and we do that kind of work. Right. Mm -hmm. But we also just did a recent employee survey and asked the staff how they describe us and the a creative agency still comes out at the forefront. And, and I'm proud of that. I think that it's our differentiator. I think that it allows you to not be commoditized. And so huge kudos to you and all of the creative leaders for helping us go there. I tell Chris Maine all the time, I don't know in our history if I have seen this much talent in the creative department, both from a design and copy standpoint. It's pretty crazy. The amount of talent, the yes. level of talent, like it is definitely something where I'm very proud to work on what I work on and I'm admiring even looking at other groups and I'm like, man, I'd love to work with yeah. them. I mean, a couple of times it's been a lot of fun to just get pulled in as a one-off. Yes, I do that to you all the time. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and some people are like, hey, can we just steal you for one hour on this? And to work with people that I that I don't typically work with on my team and collaborate with them, I'm like, man, it would yeah. be awesome to work with them more often too. So. Does that drive you nuts when I do that to you? And I'm like, hey, I'm giving you no reference. I just want you to come sit in the back of the room and just throw out ideas. No, I think that's... You, know, <laughs> you that, can say yes. On one hand, that might be like the coolest job in the world because right. you're like getting brought in for imagination. I think the hard part of it is you don't want to sound like you're completely clueless because you don't know the subject matter. Sure. And then the other side is like when cool ideas start to take hold, you're like, all right, they're done with me. Like, <laughs> they're going to go bring yeah, it to life and sucks. have a blast. Yeah. But yeah. No, I appreciate how you approach all those conversations asking smart business questions. And I think that's why our creative is different is because we always start with the business problem, right? And what the customer wants and kind of build from there. Yeah, I think smart, smart creative, or at least smart behind the scenes, smart ideas driving it, even if the creative itself is silly or comes off like right. it's not taking itself too seriously. I think if you, you know the groundwork going into it and you always keep line of sight to it, then everything else from there at least has a purpose and an explanation. So awesome. I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> Absolutely.
Well, um, again, thanks for your point of pride. I'm ending all of these conversations asking for a little bit of secrets of success or tips. You know, I imagine that many of our new Samanalites will be listening to this, maybe even some clients. But Mm -hmm. in your time at Samana, like, what have you learned that is just a nugget of wisdom that you would want to pass on about your job or your role or how to be successful here? Well, I'll never forget my first interview. I asked that question of what could help make me successful here. And one interviewer said, take a lot of notes. The other one said, ask a lot of questions. And I still hold on to those today. Um, The other thing that I would say just from my experience is there is structure and process at Symantle, but I think a huge part of finding your path and finding your success is being willing to take initiative. And I was having a conversation the other day and explaining this and someone was like, so it's almost like create my own little agency within the agency. And it's like, if that's how you want to view it with some boundaries, yes. (laughs) But at the same time, I love the idea of building your, your connections and knowing who you can go to and just remembering that like, we're all in this together. And I don't think anyone has the magic bullet. If a client comes and they say, we want to do this project, but we're not really sure if the customer believes in this. And then you say, what about a research project to hear what the customer thinks? And they're like, that's a great idea. And then four months later, it might look completely different than it looked. And just remembering that we have that ability and there's a lot of like tools in the tool belt. So it's not always just marching ahead and and drawing within the lines. You can kind of rethink things and just trust your gut on that. That's awesome. It sounds like you're saying to be a little fearless and you've gotten a lot of autonomy here to create your own path in that way. Yeah, I think be fearless, take initiative, and you'd be surprised how many times if if you kind of voice what you think you should do, how many other people might be like, that's a great idea. Yeah, good for you. Well, Van, thanks again. I so appreciate you for your leadership and your work at Samantle. And I'm just so thankful you came on the show. I've been trying to get you on for a long time. Thank you for having me, Misty. (laughs) You do a fantastic job with all of these. And thank you for all the help you've been to me in my career. But yes, this was... This was fun. I usually don't listen to myself with huge (laughs) headphones on. So looking forward to many more years with you. This is a great example of breaking down the barriers in a siloed organization to create a synergy that benefits multiple business units. Although regulating the evolution and rapid growth of a project like the Take a Closer Look messaging framework can be daunting, it's a good problem to have because it means it's working, the client loves it, and is anxious to scale. Thank you, Van, for creating a solid foundation that's helped to unify an entire arm of Caterpillar. To hear more Samantha Point of Pride stories, go to marketingsweats.com or wherever you get your podcasts and check out the rest of the episodes in our very special season six. You can hear more from Van about his point of pride by visiting the 40-ish anniversary page on samantle.com. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.